Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stories brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Cold Drop Shard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Hanlon and in each episode I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 8, I chat to the lovely Darren, the co-founder of Botanical Boys. Botanical Boys' aim is to connect people to nature, and in this episode, Darren and I chat about how he turned his hobby into a business, the benefits of having plants, and exciting plans for the rest of the year. Darren also sprinkled in a few plant tips, so if, like me, you're not the best plant parent, then take note. Make a cup of tea, sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. You're going to love it. Here's episode 8 with Darren from Botanical Boys. So Darren, welcome to the podcast. Could you start by introducing yourself and tell me your role at Botanical Boys? Yeah, sure. Nice to be here. Uh, So I'm Darren Henderson, the co-founder of the Botanical Boys down in Lower Stable Street. Yes. Uh, Yes. Exciting. (laughs) Very exciting. So we're going to start right at the very beginning because I want to know all about the journey of how you got here today. So how did Botanical Boys first begin? How was it born? What happened? So essentially we... um, Started Botanical Boys as a bit of a hobby down in our flat in, in um, Dalston, East London. And it was really born from exploring South Africa. I fell in love with the landscape. My partner's South African. And I fell in love with all these little craft shops as you're traveling around, as you do, and you travel around. And um, we came across these lovely succulent cups and saucers and lovely little gardens and padstools, as they call them over there, and little stores. So we took the idea back and decided to try and recreate the landscape that we'd discovered. And that was in the form of a fishbowl succulent terrarium, which is something that we're bringing into our, our, our structure very soon. So basically, it was like sand gardens to represent the beaches we'd found across South Africa. And of course, some places in the UK as well, with more shrubbery and trees and little landscapes. And the whole thing just kind of become a hobby. Um, we were both working in IT before, full-time job, nine till five in the city. And very, very quickly got bored of that lifestyle. And I realized that plants was a new calling. And I started to bring those um, succulent fishbowls into the office space where I'd work. Now, the boss at the time had major problems getting plants into the office space, just purely because the guys weren't really interested in them. They didn't want to look after them. So I kind of reinvigorated that idea and I brought some several terrains to my desk and people started asking questions. So essentially that was um, changing the whole IT department's mood towards plants. So I realised I was perhaps onto something quite interesting. And because we're in the city of London, a lot of people, a lot of us, young professionals, don't have the outdoor space or the luxury of one. So I got invited by Airbnb when they first started their experience program to teach our first public lesson in a house called the Outside Inn. And that was sponsored by the colour company Pantone. And they allowed us to teach for several days early in the mornings, members of the public. I had no lesson plan, had hardly no idea what I was talking about, but I knew I was passionate about what I'd created as a hobby. So my boss at the time gave me extra time outside my annual leave and he said, go and follow your passion. I know you're interested. I can see what you've done with the office space. So just go away for a few days. Don't worry about your leave. We'll sort that That's out later. That's so nice. So it, I, I always really, yeah, very supportive. And I never forget that moment because it led me on to leading into what is now Botanical Boys later on. 
yeah so, I love yeah, that story <laughs> that's so nice that you kind of like started it at your current job yeah. and then just really went for it and made it your your career yeah. that's so exciting oh that's such a sweet story as well with your boss being so supportive and just seeing your complete passion and being like look yeah. you've got to go for it yeah, it was incredible. I always thank him, Martin, Martin Croft, if you're listening. Oh, uh, little uh, shout always out. Always fancy him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So on your website, your tagline is connecting people to nature. Was that always the aim when you were starting out? And why do you think that is so important for you and your business? I think the initial aim was to connect myself to nature, really, because it was such a stressful job at times. And because when you've fallen out of passion of something, you don't really find the right mindful space for yourself to relax. So there's always a bit of stress we all carry on our shoulders, especially living in a big city like London. So I always wanted to try and find, it's, it's the old cliche, isn't it? Find something you love. Um, I hadn't realised this was something that's going to change my life uh, for the next, hopefully, 20, 30 odd years. And that the terrarium itself made me focus slightly differently than to was as my, in, into my nine to five job. So really, the passion grew from that hobby, really, into teaching other people. And I realized the fact that I was having an impact on people in my dining table. They started to smile, share stories uh, on Instagram, and this Instagram thing which I didn't know much about at the time. And um, I realized it was making some sort of positive impact. And I thought, well, why don't turn this hobby into some kind of um, teaching platform? Definitely. And just touching on that positive impact, what are the biggest benefits of people having plants? And the biggest benefits of people having plants, obviously, everyone knows that house plants have become a very popular theme since the COVID era. <laughs> and, but even before then, um, we started to see that people, especially young professionals in the city, we're beginning to have an interest in houseplants and nurturing houseplants because it's not just nurturing houseplants, the plants are actually nurturing us and our souls as well. If we keep something alive, um, it's actually um, sort of soothing ourselves, if you like, uh, and people are so proud when they keep plants alive. We've also got a lot of people who kill their plants, unfortunately, but they come to Botanical Boys now for some advice and we always lend or give a nod to some basic advice um, when, when we do our terrarium workshops, for example. So yeah, it's very mindful. And if you've got any space in your homes, I totally recommend you have some plants. Uh, it's actually really important, especially for your environment, clean, cleaning the air and cleaning your soul. Amazing. So if someone wanted to, is listening to this and they think, yeah, I want to get some more plants. I want to get my home or flat a bit more green. What advice would you give? Where should they start with that? I mean, the first question is ask yourself how many plants you want. Uh, or First of all, look at your space as well. So um, most of us either live in a basement flat or um, we might live in a loft apartment with loads of light if we're lucky. We might live in a drafty environment, lots of windows, lots of airflow or loads of air conditioning. So there's a number of initial factors you should think of before you go and splash all your hard-earned money on a nice expensive plant and let alone a nice pot to go with it yeah. and the interior. So I think first and foremost, look at the space, look at how much time you think you have to maintain plants because they do come with a bit of a maintenance. And there's no such thing as a no maintenance plant, by the way, just to get that clear <laughs> out there. There's some level of maintenance. But what I always say to people, once you've done that, the second most important thing you should ask yourself when you go to a plant store or garden centre, try and ask the knowledgeable staff in those places, where is this plant originally from? Right. And that usually gives you an indication of type of environment it may need in your home or your office. 
Yeah, that's a really good bit of advice. That sounds simple as well, easy to do. Is there a particular plant that is like a bestseller or is like particularly good that you sell for people getting into plants for the first time that you would recommend? Because we're located now in Coldrops Yard, we've got the University of Arts across the road. So we get a few students from time to time and, and they want to buy their first plant. <clears throat> so we always recommend they buy something like a Sansevieria or uh, Mother-in-Law's Tongue. It's very sharp. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, so funny. It's a cool name. It's, uh, there's several variations of them, several species of Sansevieria. They are one of NASA's top 10 plants for oxygenating the local environment as well. And they're super difficult to kill. And they don't mind a bit. Uh, they, they can actually tolerate a bit of dryness. And they can also tolerate a bit of wetness as well. Um, but you never do over the top on either of those. Um, but they are your best sort of first plant as well as cleaning the air and the oxygen around you as well for the first timer. So you never want to buy something really ridiculously expensive and very rare and then end up killing it by accident. Yeah, definitely. And it'll just put you off plants for life. I know, I so know. So the idea is start small, work your way up. Yeah, that's what I need to do because I was saying just before we started recording, I've got a few plants, but I'm not really... The best plant mum so I feel like I'm getting quite a lot of advice from this as well myself Great, that's good <laughs> lots of tips and tricks so you also offer terrarium workshops which looks so fun but first of all what is a terrarium could you so, explain yeah absolutely so a terrarium is a miniature living ecosystem in itself uh, as in terraria and um, essentially it's a set number of types of species of plants that are used to slightly high humid conditions um, but a terrarium is either with a cork lid, a wooden lid or a glass lid. Um, any jar around the house, you can use a jam jar if you like. Um, you can use even a test tube as well, which we, we do at the moment with moss, uh, certain mosses we purchase um, from around Scotland. So it's, it's all British. And we also use certain plants from places like South America and Bolivia and um, lots of plants from around Holland as well. There's a certain number of species you have to use to make sure that they do survive. You can't use anything, any plant in a closed terrarium. Right. Now, there's two types of terrariums very quickly. There's an open terrarium, which is what we started teaching back in the day, 2016 onwards, and that's a, um, a cactus and a succulent terrarium. Because guess what, folks? Cactus and terrariums don't require a lot of moisture. So it's perfect to have an open environment vessel. So any vessel with a hole, essentially. Air plants as well, those plants that don't need soil, those fascinate a lot of people, they can also go in an open terrarium. But the ones we teach mostly that cause a lot of conversation are the closed ecosystems with the cork lid. And we have a range of those. I've seen those on your website. They look incredible, yeah. They do cause a lot of conversation. They're yeah. really fascinating even, even today. You know, they've been around since the 1800s, so... Um, yeah, there's a big spark of interest right now. Definitely. And also they're the perfect gift, as you were saying, because they're not too hard to look after. So for, like you were saying at the very start, for an office or something or for a birthday, perfect gift. Yeah, absolutely. So how have the workshops been going and how do they work? Yeah, so the workshop's pretty straightforward. They're all posted on our website. Um, we've partnered with an education company called Obby. Um, Obby help us um, maintain our bookings. So you just go onto our website, click on the terrarium section, terrarium workshops, and it will just flick you through the dates that you and your family are available to come down. And we usually run them in Coldrops Yard on a Saturday at 1pm. Uh, for our master class, and we have a smaller class in the afternoons at 4.30, both on Sundays as well.
I'm definitely going to come. That's such a good way to spend your weekend. I'm excited. Voices are welcome. Yeah, thank you. So what does a typical day look like at your shop? Maybe each day is very different, but what sort of things do you get up to day to day running the business? Yeah, so the shop's full of wonderful treasures around the world. We've essentially gone into three areas over the years since being here in Coldrop's Yard. So first and foremost, there's plants, lovely plants sourced. We, we try and source the most unusual looking and um, long, long living plants or easy, easy living plants, easy to care for plants. Um, we have lots of terrariums that we make on a daily basis as well. So if we're not busy polishing the leaves and watering the plants outside the shop under our lovely umbrella here in Low- Lower Stable Street, uh, we are building terrariums to sell to the public. And they are usually the more detailed, um, handcrafted um, terrarium landscapes that we do or that we don't do in the workshops. The workshops are a little bit more basic. Um, We do the planting schemes and all the ingredients and we show you exactly how it works. But if we're not doing that, we're dealing with online orders through our treasures store. So we also source items from around the world, in particular South Africa, uh, where my partner's from. So there's a nice little link or nod to the history of the business. And if we're not selling those, we're packing for online orders, as I said, or we're ordering soil, we're ordering gravel and all kinds of weird and wonderful things just to keep the shops going. So, yeah, yeah, it's quite a lot for a small little business that that we end up doing. We're never bored. Yeah, I can imagine. And also we were saying before, how do you keep on top of all the like watering and maintaining all the plants in the shop? Because obviously there's loads in there and they're all completely different. Do you have like a special schedule? Do you split like the watering? Like how does it work? Yeah, so we have a little schedule in our in our little shop here. There we have a little diary. So who's comes in? We just check on a weekly basis who's done the watering. So we have plants like cactus and succulents that do not need a lot of watering. They're usually once a month, uh, unless we sell them in between, of course. And then we advise the clients to water them when they get home. Or the plants that uh, we get in on a weekly basis for our workshops, for example, our phytonias um, or nerve plants, as they're commonly known. They need to be watered quite often, especially in the weather now in the summer. They will dry out very quickly as we're storing them in readiness for our weekend workshops. So the guys are always constantly just measuring as we're setting up the shop. Um, we've got a routine that we must check our leaves, look for any crinkly leaves or any sorry-looking calyphia plants from the jungle, and then make them look happy again by watering them. So it's all about observation, really. We're not too strict on the schedule. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this is about observation. And do you have a lot of plants at home or do you feel like you want to leave, like, separate work and home? How does it work in that way? Yeah, I did when I first started out. I had too much, had a bit of a jungle. <clears throat> but what I'm realising as well, a lot of people are kind of t- tend to be wanting to move away from having jungles. I mean, I had, I've got half a jungle now, at least in one area in our living room. Because we're always at the store, I work sometimes five, seven days a week, obviously at different hours. So I spend most of my time maintaining the plants in our own shop more than I do the ones at home. So what I've done for any advice out there, if you do lead a busy lifestyle, um, try and reduce your plant load, but or at least put them in and the, group them together. So any plants that are from the tropical jungles, for example, group them together. It's a lot quicker and easier to water and maintain rather than having to fly up in several different rooms just to water the odd plant here and there. So try and group them together. It's a lot easier to maintain. It's exactly what I do because purely for time (laughs) yeah that's good advice and obviously there is so much to do every week and you were just saying you work between five and seven days which is really a lot but what is the most rewarding part of your job what keeps you doing this 
Uh, I think it's a passion for plants and people, especially doing the workshops, which is probably 70-75% of our time spent um, as an events business as well as a plant and interior treasures business. We we mainly spend our time on preparing for events. Um, We don't just do events in Coal Drops Yard. We also get invited out to corporates, and uh, which is a wonderful thing because you can put a smile on people's face in a sparkling clean boardroom. (laughs) And then we make a lot of mess um, for the two hours. And then we come back home with all the bags. So it's like packing up a flat every couple of weeks and then taking it somewhere and then coming back. So the most interesting thing about that, of course, is the feedback we get from clients as well as the one the workshops we do here in cold drops yard it's all about how we impact people and the lovely feedback we receive just makes us stronger and stronger and hopefully the message should get out there that bring terrariums into your home um, they are fascinating and they are as beneficial as having a plant in a pot yeah they look beautiful i'm definitely mm. going to get one at some point <laughs> on the other side what is the most challenging part of your job most challenging part of the job I think as we, as we grow as well, it's obviously um, bringing people together and, and getting people to focus on the individual tasks. So we've got a number of people now, we've got six people in the team. And that for me on a personal note has been fairly challenging from a line manager point of view. So you're constantly learning how people tick and you've got to make sure that you provide an environment that allows people to thrive. So my management top tip out there coming from a corporate environment is not to do top-down management approach. It's actually to allow people to be slightly autonomous um, or increasingly autonomous using their other skills that they bring into the team. Because a lot of our team are part-time or the older students from UAL who are essentially helping us in our projects. And um, it's just looking for those extra um, abilities and creative skills that's been challenging and making sure that they're used to benefit botanical boys and also those individuals for their own individual career as well. So that's been very challenging to understand how we can work as a team uh, and that just makes us stronger as, 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 as the manager really is of the store. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a really good approach and I feel like botanical boys must be such a lovely place to work, just being surrounded by plants all day. And yeah. I know here at Voices, we take a photo of each person that has a show here. And Botanical Boys is probably the most photographed um, background for the Voices <laughs> shows because it always just looks so beautiful and like thriving. I've definitely got a lot of photos out the front of your oh, shop. Fabulous. So thanks. Yeah, that's no, great. No, glad so, to be a backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> reflecting back, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way? I think the biggest lesson I've learned along the way is... Um, how to look at problems because uh, obviously running the business it's, it's all lovely looking at the plants and the pots and the fronts but a lot of that is blood sweat and tears behind the scenes relationship building uh, with suppliers so when we first started out we had no idea who to approach how to get supplier relationships how to get contracts in place let alone how to write an invoice and chase for your cash for any projects. That's <laughs> Very most important, of yeah. Yeah. Especially for a small company, try and, try and always get your deposits up front because um, cash flow is so important. So with that said, we, uh, our biggest challenge, we've learned how to build um, re- relationships with lots and lots of different supply chains. And sometimes those supply chains move away because their product lines stop. But you've got to keep your shop going. You've got to keep the interest. You've got to keep the excitement uh, you've got to continue editing your business. And that's where we're at at the moment, where we're editing our business. We're moving into a new store here in Coldrop Shard very soon, slightly upgrading, which is fantastic. 
And um, yeah, and we've just done Chelsea Flower Show this year. We were very honoured to win a silver medal. I didn't Amazing. expect to win. Amazing, congrats. I just expect to win a star or an appreciation, but the guys are super hyped and they work so hard using their own skills and that really helped us to get through that. So the only way forward really is to use um, use that as a benchmark and, and, and let's look forward as we as we grow into the new year. Yeah. And speaking of looking forward, do you have certain like future goals or future plans? You said about moving space, but is there anything else coming up? Yeah. So uh, moving forward, um, our initial goal priority this year is to uh, move away or close down our small first startup store here. Sadly, Lower Stable Street, perhaps your, your backdrop might change. I was going to say, I can't get any more photos now. It's big news right now. <laughs> we haven't told too many people yet. Uh, so we're moving just around the corner, Unit 21, um, um, just, just around in the square here. And that's our first priority. We obviously did Chelsea Flowers Show. That took several months of our focus away. And, and we walked away with a medal and we're very proud of that. We wanted to just use that as a benchmark going forward. And the other thing we're super keen on this year is to search the globe for weird and wonderful old pots and beautiful sculptural plants that we're hoping to bring as a new style set, especially for people looking for great interior, low maintenance planting. We're also looking at the style on that as well. So yeah, we've got some exciting things to look forward to. Yeah, because all of your pots and plants, they are very unique. They're not just kind of the standard pots, especially like they really feel like they've been handpicked and like really researched. And I was looking on your website before the interview and they're all just so intricate and unique. So that'll be a fun job, I think. Yeah, there's a few, few more to come. Watch this space. A few okay. bigger ones. Yeah, It's not exciting. fun offloading it off, off a 20 foot container though. That's Oh yeah, bit... <laughs> yeah, maybe not so fun. <laughs> so just to finish then, what is the one book or it could be a film or an exhibition or some sort of like creative outlet that someone wanting to get into plants should consume do you reckon well i think purely because uh, we're focused primarily on terrariums and that's what most people know is for since 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 day one so one of the top books there to learn about how terrariums came about is wardian case by luke keogh and it's a fascinating journey into how one man's experiment um, from a moth and le- uh, lent the way led the way for the world for, for britain globally in terms of plant transportation called the Wardian case. Basically, it's like a miniature greenhouse with a hinge lid. And it was uh, down in Wapping in south-east London, where the whole story began in, the 18, in 1829. And it was the Wardian case which transformed the way the rest of the world had been able to transport plants for those that we appreciate today, uh, which we couldn't do many years ago. So definitely read that book. It's a very good book. Yeah. yeah, go grab that book. And then lastly, just to finish off, we ask all the podcast guests this question. What is the one place in King's Cross, obviously apart from the fabulous Botanical Boys, that everyone should check out and why? Um, I personally love Granary Square. Uh, it's a big bougie restaurant, but it's my favourite place. It was my first place we took a team um, Christmas and dinner to on our first year here in Lower Stable Street. And only purely because the food is a amazing, but the interior is very on par. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Boys. I've been in there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, lots of greenery, flowers, plants, uh, and a great place to to sort of nest for a few hours. Um, but yeah, uh, def- definitely that. Um, um, that's a good choice. Best, that's the best a great one. Choice. Right, chill out, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Darren. Thank you for sharing your story, and so great to chat. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. Cheers.